Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. Hey, Chris, I'm glad you took some time off of your March of Madness <laughs> schedule so that we can do a little bit of podcasting today. Hey, before we get going, uh, I do want to do a little bit of a tease of what we're going to talk about today. we got a lot of fascinating lawsuits oh. that we want to cover. A lot has happened in the world of law. Buffalo Wild Wings were sued under a very yep. interesting theory. we got a, a Alec Murdoch a murder trial update, uh, or at least yeah. a murder trial update, I guess you can say. Michael Irvin is as well versus Marriott the judge really came out and slammed one of them this past week Flores v NFL Brian Flores the coach there was an update on that case as well and at the Supreme Court just a lot of cases to unpack today but before we even get there Chris let's talk a little bit about March of Madness now uh, at this point in time, we are recording on a Friday morning, and I am happy St. Patty's Day. By the way, happy St. Patty's Day! To I am not wearing green. Are you wearing green? Look at that green tie! That beautiful green there you tie. Go. You are you are sporting it. I, I should be celebrating St. Patty's Day. I will. I googled what kind of food to make on St. Patty's Day because I like to be festive. Yeah. Uh, apparently, every day can be some kind of Hispanic celebration, even though I love Mexican food. Oh, but best. um. Yeah, what what is the food? I think it's like some kind of corned beef and cabbage, man. Yeah, all right, corned beef and cabbage. It's it, what it, you do. Maybe a little it, potatoes. It ain't gonna happen today. I can tell you that much. <laughs> There'll be no Irish celebrating over here. Nope. Maybe. Are you sure they don't like? Um, I don't know, char grilled oysters on the half shell. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe they like some pepperoni pizza. I don't know. You know maybe, what? Let's, maybe let's, a little just... little Costco hot dog. That could be Let, that could be a celebration. Let's say it and make it so. I do right. believe the Irish loved their um, their nachos, and so I'm going to celebrate by eating Every, a plate of nachos. Everybody loves their nachos. Everybody loves nachos. That's right. So it is. No, I was, Saint, go ahead. I was driving into work today, and the only reason why I realized it was St. Patty's Day, I was driving into work. I passed three Irish pubs coming into downtown Phoenix. Okay, and and they're open. At the time of the recording, this um, I got to work at six a.m. So at six a.m. they were open. Big, beautiful, orange, white, and green balloon arches. Wow. Right? All, like, all the cultural stereotypes are well on display at all the, you know, at McMurphy's Irish Pub and at, like, Kettle Black Irish Pub and um, Chambers is the other one. And you it's just, they're getting their Irish on early in the They and start look, it was tempting, drinking. Right? It was tempting to have a car bomb right before I came into work today. Right? <laughs> Why not? Let's start Friday right. Let's do this. <laughs> They start their drinking early there in uh, in Irish. Apparently, that's what they wanted. How they want to celebrate St. Patty's Day. <laughs> I actually yep. googled the, the other day. I think hey, is there going to be a five k run around here? Maybe I can celebrate St. Patty's Day by running <laughs> three miles. But I couldn't find one on St. Patty's Day. It was this weekend we had a couple runs. Now I, I do want to point out because the listeners don't realize this that you just got into your office at six a.m. Now. Mm-hmm. If, if people heard that, they think, okay, you woke up, crawled out of bed, and just made it right into the office by 6 a.m. No. no, you had time to stop off at the gym this morning. What kind of insane hour do you wake up to hit the gym before hitting the office at 4 a.m.? I need to start this with I love my wife immensely. <laughs> she is the light of my life. She is everything to me. And that woman... She likes to work out at 4 a.m. Yes, 0400, ladies and gentlemen. 
4 a.m. consequently enough is when the Russians train to invade on American soil because that's when we're our most lackadaisical and easily overtaken. Yes. Right. Just fun fact of the day. I'm, I'm looking up for co- uh, divorce for cause, and I do believe that's one of the elements <laughs> there. That's one of the four cause elements there. So you wow, know 4 a.m. You know what's worse is you get to Planet Fitness, and those people are so damn chipper to see you at 4 a.m. They're like, get a good workout in, buddy. And I'm like, I hate everything about you right now. <laughs> Wow. Why All right. Are so, we yelling? so you you get to the office at, at 6 a.m. Now, because today is March Madness Day, too. So I have to know, are your brackets already busted? Because it's been one day. How are your brackets looking after one day? Well, um, Chris Marone is a emotional bracket maker. Okay. We need, we need to put that out first. Explain this. So I pick teams. Somewhat based on skill, somewhat based on past performance, but there are certain teams that I pick on emotion alone. Like I chose Princeton over U of A. Whoa, 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 whoa. You picked Princeton over U of A. Okay. Yes. You know why? Because I work for ASU. Okay. You and had I really to. think undergrounds for termination. That's a four cause termination. There you go. Is when I'm you sure bet on your rival school to win the NCAA tournament. So I, I picked that out of emotion. I also picked ASU to advance out of emotion, and that worked out for me. It was a good day for ASU basketball yesterday because ASU advanced, take on TCU today. Okay. But U of A lost to a bunch of finance majors that have really good jobs lined up on, on, on Wall Street. The leading score has like a 4.3 GPA. Wow. It's amazing. And they beat a U, U of A, a the Arizona um all right and and, that's and arizona the, was like they were slated in a lot of people's brackets to go all the way to the they the were a championship game yeah they yeah. were a two c they were a very popular pick they played really well i believe in the pac-12 mm-hmm. tournament that just they last won week. the pac-12 tournament for like the fifth time in a row like u of a give the dog its day right u of a is a great basketball team they are a great basketball school They're every team. year we have to live it down this time of year that U of A is just going to just trounce teams. And let's be honest, having U of A in the NCAA tournament is great for Arizona as a whole. It brings a lot of positive lights into Arizona. But, man. Since you all are future Big 12 members, I can't speak too badly about you. (laughs) We're going to welcome you with open arms next year when you guys come in begging for a conference to play in. But, so before we get there, well, I want to know, who who are your final four teams? What is your, who are your final four? All right, so my final four teams. But no, it's not um, are, U of A. Please tell me it's not ASU. No, it's not U of A. It's not ASU. So I got Xavier, Kansas, and then I got Michigan State and Alabama. There you go. All right. Not, and not I have too. Michigan over Alabama, Kansas over Xavier, and then Kansas to take it. You know what? Yes. I knew you were intelligent. I knew you were bright and smart. I had no idea. Now, I, I also have KU taking it all. In fact, I just looked at my uh, – my, um, uh, pool that I am in, mm-hmm. and uh, which usually I don't ever get into pools because I, I, I do it too late. But I am in this right. one pool uh, that we my son set up, and uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of KU fans because every single one <laughs> but one person all picked <laughs> KU as their champion. That's, that's how we do it here in KU land. We're delusional. Right. I pick KU to win the entire thing, and then I backfill the rest of the picks. Oh, I love that for you. Yeah, KU is going to I, I just can't go against KU. Even though a couple of years ago, I knew they had no shot whatsoever. This year, we have a shot. We have an injury. I don't know if you have followed KU. Uh, it's a uh-huh. pretty hard injury. It's uh, our head coach 
Have you ever heard of that in the NCAA tournament and under injury report, having your head coach being listed as the first person out? Man, that's that's odd, but that, I love that. I mean, I love that. Let's do it. Let's have yeah, some yeah. assistant coach step up and then be able to like transfer over to ASU to make us pull, you know, winners. Just he saying. had a hard stint put in uh, last week, a couple hard stints put in uh, based upon a rumor there at, at KU Med Center. So he was out all last week at the mm-hmm. Big 12 tournament. And at first thought you're thinking, really, you just yeah. were in the hospital for five days getting a couple of stints put in. Do you really want to go to the sidelines now and coach in the NCAA tournament? I mean, come on. I know we say sports are, are life and death, but I, I kind right. of thought that was just a saying, right? I, mean, I didn't know it was actually true. I'm right. a little nervous to see Bill Self on the sideline there coaching, getting all worked up, and mm-hmm. then plopping over and dying of a heart attack. And so, uh, Dude, that's how I want to go. Right? That's of not all how the we ways- want Bill Self to go. He's only 60. Look, I'm not saying that's how I want Bill Self to go, right? <laughs> Everybody has their own way that they want to go to Valhalla. I would love (laughs) to be doing something I loved when I when I went. I will give that to you. Maybe at age eighty, I would think that'd be a great way for Bill Self to go. Not at age (laughs) sixty. Yes, we have twenty more years left with him. I I am nervous as a KU follower because KU, what we believe, has one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah, you realize that now, KU, we've gone four straight coaches. Each one a Hall of Fame coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. and each coach being better than the one before. Right. You start with Ted Owens, a great coach, but took us to the Final Four. Then you get Larry Brown, often considered the best coach of all time, was KU's coach, took us to the yeah. Final Four, won a national championship. And then you got Roy Williams, I mean, enough said, and then right. Bill Self. So it keeps no, getting better. You know, and it's a great time to be a Kansas like sports fan in general. If only your Royals would step up. Hey, like, we you are could have the, just just amazing days. You stop that right there. The Royals are the king of spring training. This is our season. This is our time. Unfortunately, the regular season will start here in a couple weeks, and we'll go back to yeah. last place. But for right That's now, right. we right are now enjoying. Yeah, we, we, it's, we it's always funny to me that the Royals play out in surprise because we're all shocked that they're good during spring training. So it's exactly. very like it's very like ironic. It's so wonderful. Someone has to tell them, you know, you realize this is not your season. There actually is a regular season where the games count. Right. But you know what? No, what we will we, we'll take a win. I mean, anybody can we do can good playing against like the Reds B team because the Reds A team isn't that great. That's right. <laughs> all right. Back like to the. the yeah. Back to our topic at hand, which is a busted bracket. And so brackets, uh, we yeah. are, you're now at work. I am just curious. Are you one of those types of people that will skip work to go watch the tournament? Will you just watch the games now on your computer at work? How do you watch the games during the workday? Man, my boss listens to this. Like, <laughs> you you know that, right? Like, there's people in my office that watch our podcast and listen to our podcast. You know what? You might as well just come clean right now, man. So do you, do I, you have, I, have that I have little... laptop? Legitimately, I have my laptop right here. It's set up. I have my I have the games going in the background. Have you noticed um, that when you have the games on your uh, computer, if you are on CBS's site and you can watch uh-huh. the games on CBS's site, they actually have the boss, boss function up there. You can click on the boss function. Apparently, some spreadsheet comes up. Uh, yeah, it, well, years ago it was it went to like an Outlook, or okay. new new emails would pop up giving you score updates, so it just looked like you were on your Outlook email. There you go, which I thought was genius, absolutely genius. like chef's Way to kiss. Go. 
Yeah. All right. Well, one last thing here. I am doing a uh, a, a class this upcoming week, Comedian of yep. Law. You can go to our site. It is going to be on the NCAA v. Alston, the Supreme Court case involving how bad the NCAA has butchered the laws of this nation. They are extreme lawbreakers. Yeah. I think the title of the class is the, the emperor has been exposed as being naked. Some kind of catchy take on the emperor being naked uh, mm -hmm. because the, the NCAA, the emperor has now been exposed for having no clothes on. So if you are interested in the antitrust issues when it comes to, you know, the amateurism sports, is amateurism even a viable business model anymore? Can you refuse to pay athletes? The schools themselves that don't pay the athletes, is that even now suspect? We are going to do a deep dive into that uh, in our class here, Community of Law. This week is going to be a webinar. Uh, and then you and I, we're going to be talking about that next week during this yeah. podcast because, well, once I get digging in the NCAA, it's just so much oh. fun. I can't stop myself. Right, right. So, one last thing, just as a little bit of a, a request of our listeners, we have been getting new listeners of late, apparently talking about the Murdoch murder trial as a way to get new listeners, but yep. we need you, if you enjoy this podcast, to give us a five-star review and to share it with your fellow people. Maybe only for 30 days. I'm not going to say do this every week, but if you could just somehow make a conscious effort to share it on your social media pages, we are trying to grow this podcast, and that is the best way to do it. So if we have a take on something, uh, feel free to, to let others know so that we can get some extra publicity. Yeah. All right, Chris, it's time to jump right in now, and let's talk some law. That's why we come here for this podcast. And and Chris, as you know, that we often deal with very serious issues here on this podcast. The Supreme Court has changed rights as this nation has known them for the last 50 years. They've upset precedent. So we talk about some really important cases. I am not sure any of the cases we've talked about quite reached the level of the importance of our first case, Buffalo Wild yes. Wings was sued recently. Did you hear about that lawsuit? The deception. Absolute. Just the fraud on the community at large. This has been a travesty of justice for far too long. It is. It is. So obviously under the, the laws, you cannot engage in deceptive <laughs> trade practices. Every state not will have a, a similar law. So there's not one word for it. It maybe it's right. your consumer protection act or whatever. Uh, and so you can't promote things that are not true, that are misleading. You can't dupe your customers. We've talked about that in the past. Well, a yeah. lawsuit was filed against Buffalo Wild Wings saying their ads promoting <laughs> their boneless wings was deceptive. Yeah. Because there's actually no, this is, they're not wings. There's actually no bones in these wings. And so your advertisements are deceptive. And so you well, should pay out millions of dollars. Chris, what do you think about the boneless wings advertisement? Is that deceptive? I think it's totally deceptive because it's not even wing meat, right? Boneless meat, boneless wings or McNuggets or nuggets or strips or whatever you want to call them are breast meat. So right, right off the bat, calling them wings. Oh my goodness! It, it, it's not even there. It's not even a thing. These so you, are these are boneless <laughs> breast meat nuggets. I love how Buffalo Wild Wings responded to this lawsuit. They they <laughs> sent a tweet out saying, uh, "Newsflash: um, They don't contain any buffalo either." And so just want to yeah. let you know that before you file that lawsuit, there's actually no buffalo meat. Slow it down. <laughs> Buffaloes don't have wings. Just exactly. just letting you know. All right, there you go. So yeah, all kinds of craziness going on with these lawsuits, but it does 
open a Pandora's box to the the imagination. What kind of lawsuits can you file? You probably remember about the lawsuit that hit the news uh, a couple of months ago, where I believe it's some craft macaroni and cheese or some yeah. macaroni and cheese company was sued because it advertised that it could be prepared in three minutes, but that wasn't right. true because it was three minutes plus. Opening you know, the lid, mixing in the content, letting it cool so I can eat it. Yeah, I do. I love America, right? When anybody starts trashing America, like I like to just look at them and be like, let's look at our legal system real quick. That's right. Like, let's look at some of the crazy lawsuits. Somebody sued the hot sauce company, uh, Texas Pete, uh, because the, the hot sauce was made in North Carolina and it's not made in Texas. Oh, I did not like, know that. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a there was it was a deceptive advertising case. Okay. That Texas Pete hot sauce. For those of you who are unfamiliar, it's not my favorite hot sauce, but I'm aware of it. Um, they were being sued because Texas Pete is made in North Carolina, so it should be North Carolina Pete. There you go. I'm I'm loving. I'm thinking it. that like, commercial from way back when about some uh, was it some picante sauce was made in, yeah, in New, New York, York City. City. Right. <laughs> well, I think like this 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 idea that people get to sue for deceptive advertising, like um Burger King, there is no king at Burger King. Okay, just slow it down. This is a democracy. There's no there king go. there. Okay. Right? There's no kingdom. Or Carl's Jr., there's nobody named Carl. Like All right. like the only one that's really true to form is Wendy's, right? The owner of Wendy's named the chain after his or the founder of Wendy's named it after his daughter. Right? So that's the only true Taco Bell. There's no there. bell. Oh my goodness! There, See, there, the, the no list bell. of lawsuits here could just go just on and go, on go. and on. Right. My oh, the WWF, like the World Wrestling Federation, like or World Wrestling Entertainment. That's right. That, that Andre wasn't a giant. And it's, Giants and it's not, are it's typically not even wrestling, pay. Chris. It's not even wrestling. Right. It's acting. It is. It's it just is. male groping, groping each other. I right. have no idea. All right, let's move on right. here now to our next lawsuit. <laughs> let's do an update of the Alex Murdoch oh, yeah, yeah, murder yeah. trial. Get why? It, man. Why are we doing this? Well, because we have found out through our own research that when we mention Alex Murdoch, our ratings go up. So therefore, Very. we need to give an Alex Murdoch murder trial update. And before you say, here's the update, the jury returned a verdict. He is guilty. Yeah, that was a couple weeks ago. I get that. Yeah. But... Something did happen this week, so let's just touch on it briefly here. They have reopened the investigation into the death of Stephen Smith. So what happened here? Well, Stephen Smith was a 19-year-old person. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. I want to say 19-year-old kid, but he's, he's not kid. really a kid if he's 19. He's also not a man because he's a I don't know, but whatever. Al, uh, Stephen Smith was about 19 years old, and in right. 2015, he was found dead in the middle of the road. Now, right. uh, he, his car was three miles away. The gas lid was uh, out, so I don't know, even know what that means. Uh, he was right. found dead in the middle of a, of a rural road in Hampton County, South Carolina. Uh, now, at the time of his death, he was a nursing student at yeah. uh, Orangeburg Calhoun Technical College, but how he died is still somewhat of a mystery, and the family wanted answers even back then in 2015, right. but they didn't get answers. And so Nothing. Sandy Smith, the victim's mother, uh, said, they said, they being the, the authorities, that he was shot in the head. Then it turns out it was a hit and run, and then he was beat up. So the story Sorry. keeps changing over and over. So Chris, why is it that 
you can't even get a cause of death from a person. If your kid was found dead right. in the middle of the road, you, you would want answers as to right. why he was found dead in the middle of the road. And it didn't appear that it was a traffic accident uh, related. So one of the troopers on the scene the night of Stephen's death uh, said in a docu-series on Netflix that Stephen's demise didn't look to be related to a car accident. So mm -hmm. if you were hit by a car, there probably would be some signs and maybe some crushed bones. Contusions. Maybe, right, right. Bruises. Right, because the car's going to make contact with you. And so, it's probably going at a speed that's going to cause trauma to whatever area it struck. Right. It wouldn't just Little be a things. head injury. Unless you decide to headbutt a car coming head on, it wouldn't just be a head injury. That doesn't really make right. sense. And, and so the family wanted answers. Well, they when they did when they did some digging, it turned out that in the police report, there was one a person's name that was mentioned, and it was mm. Buster Murdoch. And when people saw that Buster. name, chills went down their spines. So if the Murdoch name is mentioned, it's then there is a cover-up. And people oh, yeah. are not going to be investigating this to find out. So here's what also happened. One of the um, ladies there, uh, I believe her name was Olivia. She was a friend of Stephen Smith. And she was interviewed by Netflix for that series that was on. And she said that Stephen was an openly gay teenager at that time. And uh, he so? didn't really care what other people thought yeah. about him. And, and so the, the rumor was is that Buster Murdoch and Stephen supposedly had a secret intimate relationship and that maybe Scandal. this is now going to come out and people did not want it to come out. And so the problem is when you have the Murdoch name mm -hmm. and there's no investigation mm -hmm. that just looks bad. Well, it's a lot of things, right, Joel? It's the Murdochs have been ruling this small County again for 108 years, right? They've been on every major law enforcement, um, you know, the town solicitor, the town council, all of that jazz. You've got these guys that have, you know, generational wealth and power and control. I think of, you ever remember the TV show Dallas? Yes. Good old JR, right? The, the, I, I feel like that's fairly a representative of what's going on right here. It's like, right. It's Hillbilly Corleone's, I believe is my, my, uh, <laughs> was, was my that. phrase that I coined out of this, right? You need to um, get a trademark on that pronto. Absolute ASAP. I'm gonna I'm gonna start working on that right now. So you have the hillbilly Corleones, right? The Murdochs. And if Buster came out as gay in a small rural community in South Carolina, look, I get that it's 2020 or 2015, and gay marriage was the law of the land, and people on all sides of this issue are more accepting and um, loving of people that are that are gay and homosexual and LGBTQIA. Uh, not in rural about back county south carolina where the, right. the king's oldest heir is gay so like you can you, what you're saying yeah. is you could see this being a motive out there and the For fact sure. that it was squashed immediately yes. no investigation mm -hmm. it just causes you to have some concerns so yeah, the anything. sled authorities there anything. said that as they were investigating the double murder of Maggie and Paul Murdoch, yep. something came up in that investigation that caused them to reopen the Stephen Smith murder. So there's something they learned that made them think maybe we missed something back there. Uh, it, it might just simply be that we, now we know that since the Murdoch name was involved, we need mm -hmm. to dig deeper, but maybe they actually found some specific evidence, but whatever. Um, 
What happened this last week was the family of Stephen Smith, they did a, uh, oh, I'm drawing a mind blank here. What is that that app? The GoFundMe. They did yeah, yeah. a GoFundMe page to exhume his body, and apparently they raised twice as much money as they needed to, so they are going to privately exhume the body and hire a private mm-hmm. forensic expert to come Good. in and do an autopsy uh, of, of Stephen Smith so they actually can find out how he died. Uh, and, and, so, if they fi- and if they prove that there was a cover-up, I want a huge civil lawsuit against this police department. I want a huge civil lawsuit against this county for covering up their son's murder because the Murdoch name is there. And I would not be surprised if they reopened a lot of different cases that the Murdochs have been involved in, right? They're going to they're gonna deal some more with the girl that died in the boating accident. They're going to look into some of his financial crimes. I guarantee that law firm is going to get audited by the IRS for the next 20 years. Right. I would feel bad for that law firm because they apparently did not know anything that was going on. And once they did get wind of what was going on, then they started in their own investigation. And according to the prosecutors, it was that mm-hmm. investigation that then led to the unspiraling of Alec Murdoch and caused him to kind of go murder his wife and kid as a <laughs> as a, some kind of yeah. tactic to divert attention or garner sympathy. I I don't even understand that theory, but whatever. I do think since drugs are involved, that right. any kind of crazy theory is possible. Uh, but yeah, that law firm is in a lot of trouble because they, as you non-lawyers, you need to know this, and lawyers already know this, we have a rule in our model rules of professional responsibility is called 5.1, requires us to kind of monitor and super, supervise each other in Account, our firms. Yeah. And oh, you yeah. can't, you just can't simply say, oh, that's Alex situation i don't have to look at his finances you do have a certain obligation to monitor what's going on in your firm to make sure no one else is violating the professional rules of responsibility so yeah there might be something to be paid there yeah you gotta check everybody man you got well and that's the number one reason why people get disbarred is because they don't know how to deal with money number one reason across the board so his partner should have been checking him but again because he was alec murdoch and the murdoch dame has so much power they're not gonna check him and there was a Murdoch. Papa Murdoch founded the firm way back right. when. And so there was a lot of history there. And before all this happened, the Murdoch name was even on in that firm. Uh, uh, it was part of the firm name. All right. All right. Speaking of getting smacked down, uh, let's now talk about Michael Irvin v. Marriott. And so we talked about this situation before on our podcast. And this mm-hmm. is a situation uh, that during the Super Bowl, if you remember um, Michael mm-hmm. Irvin, who was the Hall of Fame wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys, he now yep. works for the NFL Network. He was going to be one of their commentators for the Super Bowl. And and this actually was in your neck of the woods, right? This is in, in Phoenix. And you can, Look, if you look out my window right now, you can see the one of the parking garages for the hotel that he got kicked go. out of. All right. Maybe we should have done this from that park, from that hotel lobby. <laughs> no uh, Wi-Fi. Bad but what, Wi-Fi. What happened here was that um, um, Michael Irvin then walked into the hotel lobby. This was in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And and so talked to some guys who wanted to get his his picture and autograph. And right. then Michael Irvin went and saw this, this um, Marriott employee, a female employee, mm-hmm. And there was an interaction, and I've watched the video in its entirety, and it's about a minute and 45 seconds, the entirety between. But you can't hear what's going on. Right. But you can see what's going on. And then after that, 
they then left and parted ways, whatever. And it, it didn't seem out of the ordinary, the, the video, mm -hmm. but apparently he said something to her really bad because then she went and told her bosses and they went in the middle of the night and, and took him out of his room, kicked him out of the hotel. Right. And then he was immediately suspended by the NFL network. And so uh, this obviously was something horrible outrageous that he said well he then filed a lawsuit against yeah. marriott for defamation saying your actions here in kicking me out of my hotel in the middle of the night defame me it's going to cost me all kinds of dollars i'm going to i'm now probably going to be canceled uh if i don't get my name cleared so he filed a defamation lawsuit against marriott and um uh, for their what they did here that all that's backstory. So now mm -hmm. they're in court and the judge told Marriott, you need to turn over this video in its now. entirety. Yeah. All right. Marriott decided not to, to do that. And they decided to know we're not going to turn it over to the defendant, to the plaintiff. We're just going to basically allow a couple of them to come and watch it. They can't record it. Only you can only right. have a couple of them even being able to watch it. That's all we are going to do. Mm-hmm. Chris. Have you, when you get a court's order, do you take that order as a suggestion on how you might proceed with your course of conduct? Never. Not one. Look, I may not agree with the court often. It is what it is. But I'm not putting my, my reputation, my bar license, I'm not putting my bank account on the line. I may drag my feet and I may, I may fulfill that order at the 11th hour, 59th minute, and 59th second. Right. And I may sometimes, um, the phrase is papering, right? When someone asks for all documents related to this case, and I pull up in a U-Haul truck with 5,000 cases of documents for the one document they're looking for and just hand over reams and reams of paper and tell them to enjoy, right? I've done that. I've done that dick move. But, um, you know, I've always always complied with an order, even when I think it's an unlawful order, right? Working in yes. criminal defense when um, I think the judge orders my client to do something that I think is clearly in violation of his Fourth or Fifth Amendment rights or even his Sixth Amendment rights, I've we've complied. That's an order. That is something we take up on appeal every single time. You you just simply can't ignore the court's order Cannot. or change it on the whim. If you don't like it, no. maybe you file an Too immediate bad. appeal. Yes. Maybe you ask the court to rescind it for a protective order for yep. reconsideration. But ignoring it is just not something you can do. Well, the judge said, I am not accustomed to, as a judge, people violating my orders. The judge said he was dumbfounded by the Marriott's reactions here. And so as as a punishment, as a penalty, the judge said, now you must release this video in unredacted version to the public. And so the public now gets to see this video, which I watched the video several times this week. And mm -hmm. did you watch, did you get a chance to watch the video, Chris, since it just happened I, out your back window? No, I haven't watched the video yet. All right. Well, I, will, you, I have plans this weekend to watch it, to catch up on things. It will only take you a couple of minutes. Uh, and so uh, in the video, at basically the one minute and two second mark to the two minute and 43 second mark, you can see um you know the interaction between michael irvin and this lady and you can see a couple times where he reached out and touched her arm and she kind of shot her arm back as I, I don't want you to touch my arm uh and so there's that now michael irvin does not remember the specifics of the conversation which okay. <laughs> 
I don't know if it, that's, I don't understand. That. I, don't I mean, I, he is a very famous person. He probably has interactions all day long with people, but right. I am thinking he probably remember. I don't know. Any thoughts on it that? Could've, it could have been late, right? It was late. It was late at night. He probably has the same conversation with every fan on the face of the planet. Like, dude, we loved you in the nineties, the Cowboys. Yeah. America's team, blah, blah, blah. Right. You and Troy Aikman, best that there ever was. Right. Can I get a picture? 88. His nickname was Playmaker, so probably people are yelling like Playmaker, right? So I I think that every interaction with the fans are somewhat simil- similar across right. the board, right? There's not a lot of variation, um, and maybe with some young female fans, it you know it may be a flirtatious thing. I don't know. I don't know Michael Irvin. I don't know how he interacts with his fans, but I. Well, I I'm going to tell like, you what she alleged that he said, and I, I, I don't like it. I, I, it's obviously very offensive. Um, but here is what she said that he said. Uh, she said that he asked her if she knew anything about having a big black man inside of her. Uh, and, and then Irvin then attempted to grab the victim's hand again and said he was sorry if he brought up bad memories for her. The victim pulled her hand away and tried to back away from Irvin as he continued to move mm-hmm. toward her. And then there's another allegation. And he said, I'll be back to find you later. Now, here's the problem for Michael Irvin. Uh, yeah. there, I think there's problems for, for both sides here. But Very the problem so. for Michael Irvin's position is he has already stated publicly I don't remember what we talked about. Right. Okay. So now he can't walk it back. Yeah. How does he then say, oh, no, I didn't say that? I mean, how would that even play out in trial? Right. He goes, oh, oh I, that's just out of my character. I would never say that. But if you're so drunk, you really don't remember yeah. what you talked about. And I, I don't know. I think he's in a little bit of a tough situation here because mm-hmm. he can't deny it. Because you said, I don't really remember the specifics. I guess you could say, if I said that, I would remember mm-hmm. saying that. Uh, I, But we just had some small talk. Like, you know, the game, uh, right. the Super Bowl coming up, whatever. Right. So I guess I would not remember small talk. So maybe he can take that position. Right. And you can't say that asking a female, or a male for that matter, no judgment, if they've ever had a intimate time with a black gentleman, um, so I don't know if that's small talk. I don't. I don't know if that's considered. You would remember that, right? I don't know if that's considered. You know, two thousand or the nineteen ninety five Dallas Cowboys are the greatest team ever. That's small talk, right? Small pro- propositions or asking about sexual history. I don't think is small talk. No, and, and here, yes, I don't know where this case is going. Obviously, Michael Irvin is right, trying right. to save his job and not get canceled. I don't think he cares about any money here from Marriott. He just simply wants not his name cleared. And I'm not sure that's going to work because I do think now that he cannot rebut her allegation, right. uh, it's kind of a he said, she said, but he didn't say anything because he was too drunk to remember what he said. So mm-hmm. we, her account is the only account that we have. If you watch the video, she does play a, a I don't know the right word for this, a noble part. Uh, in other words, you can't tell from the video that she's grossly offended by that right but it's also possible that she wouldn't she could still be highly offended but still gonna put on a professional image there in the moment and still be scared crapless because of what he is saying in his size i mean i don't know how that might play out size your job right you don't want to freak out on a customer you just want the interaction to end and she obviously was disturbed enough to go to her management to either 
tell the you know tell what happened or or plot whatever you whatever side you fall on this of, of what happened so it made a enough of impression in her that she was again smart enough not to confront and i and look and we live in a world where um beautiful women have to put up with the drunken advances of men constantly and a lot of times those men do not receive any sort of repercussion for their actions of being overtly sexual or making sexually innuendo comments or making straight up propositions to them. Right. So unfortunately she's probably had this happen before and her instinctive response is to um, do nothing until the situation passes and then go deal with whoever, right? Your boss, your boss's boss legal because it went all the way to the top. If, if Marriott decides to in the middle of the night, kick in his door grab him, take him out, throw him out, and ban him from Marriott for life during the Super Bowl. Well, here is going to be my prediction on how this case should be resolved. Again, just wearing my attorney hat, not any other kind of hat that I might have. Um, Both sides should say, we want to settle this case, and we want this case to go away as quickly as possible, reach some Mm -hmm. kind of confidential settlement, and then just simply have it go away. That way Michael Irvin can say, I took my position, I filed a defamation lawsuit, it was resolved. Marriott can say, we defended our employee, we believe our employee, and then just let it go away. If it goes to trial... Mm-hmm. Michael Irvin will lose. I don't care what is proved at trial. You don't want any more airplay of this story. You want it to go away. You defended yourself. You said, I didn't say it. Let that be mm-hmm. the end of it. And now make this case go away. I wonder if the, 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 the female will um, file a suit of her own against Michael Irvin. For, Interesting. Right. A, a civil lawsuit against him for harassment. Right, because then, because now that Michael has backed himself into the corner of I don't remember, she has the claim to go. He harassed me. He was drunk. He harassed me. I I have mental issues about this. He then sued my company in reaction to this harassment, which then created more emotional distress on me to to come and. Women in general don't normally come forward on cases like this. He's made public statements, and so right. that would defame her. Now, I, I, I right. should say defame. It's possible if he never identified her, and she hasn't been identified. We don't know her name. Um, right. though I don't but know her image and likeness is out there. Right. Maybe you can tell from the video who the person is. Right. Uh, so I guess that is, is possible there. Um, well, yeah, no, that's in, come I, out in I the think, defamation trial. Right? If I, they're going to go to trial for defamation, they have to bring in the victim. Uh, this very well, very well might be the last we talk about this case until there is a settlement. Because both sides right. here should be saying, we want this to go away and get out of the news. Marriott is not going to be helped here uh, by right. having this continued run. Because they're going to have to answer questions of why did you kick out an African-American? Has no white person ever propositioned someone? You never kicked out a mm-hmm. white person to have you. So they're not right. going to want to answer those questions that might be race-related. And meanwhile, right. Michael Irvin is not going to want that story being run across the headlines where he can't even rebut her account of what he said. Uh, and she did pull her arm back. So she obviously did not like being touched. So there is some mm-hmm. corroboration to the fact that he said something or did something that she did not like. So right. I just would think this case is going to be resolved um, behind closed doors and oh, it'll, it'll be confidentiality and um, um, no one could, confidentiality order placed on it. And that's my prediction. I All hope right. so. 
Moving on here to one, uh, Brian Flores v. the NFL. Yeah, we yeah. have a lot of cases here, Chris, that we're talking about because there's just been a lot going on. Uh, and so we're not doing a deep dive into these cases, but there was an update to the Brian Flores versus NFL uh, lawsuit. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to touch on that. Basically, what happened here is Brian Flores, who was the former head coach for the Miami Dolphins, sued the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm and the NFL and several other teams alleging race discrimination uh, in in hiring practices. They said, hey, I'm an African-American coach and you fired me or you had not hired me because of my race. So he sued the Mm -hmm. NFL. And we've done a podcast on this in the past. So I think you know my position on that. Uh, But this is now a lawsuit. And the problem is, is there is an arbitration agreement in the employment contract between Mm -hmm. Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins. And so the NFL and the defendants filed a motion to remove this to arbitration. Right. Well, the federal judge agreed with that and didn't agree with that in her recent ruling. This is what I mean by that. The, The federal judge said, yes, when we're talking about an employee suing their employer here. There was an arbitration clause in the contract. And so we are going to respect that arbitration clause and send it out to arbitration. However, there was no arbitration agreement between Brian Flores and the NFL or these other clubs. So those claims will continue on in federal court and maybe even end up before a jury. But his claims against his his employer, the Miami Dolphins, is now going to arbitration. Well, um, uh, Brian Flores' lawyers filed a motion this last week for reconsideration with this federal judge saying, please reconsider this because basically what you're telling us is we now have to go in front of Roger Goodell to arbitrate this matter and that's right. not really very fair we're not gonna get a fair mm-hmm. trial the federal judge initially already considered that and said well roger goodell's not gonna have a final word because whatever he decides still has to come back before me and so i'm still gonna send this to arbitration so chris any thoughts on the brian flores v nfl update i think procedurally it it nails the fine line of arbitration agreements versus federal lawsuits right people because of the the subject matter of this case right racism discrimination hiring practices you it's in flores's best interest that they all get lumped together and they all get sent over to the federal court because the federal court can deal with more civil rights issues can deal with 1983 issues right whereas arbitration cannot. And so arbitration is going to be a high bar for Brian Flores to get to to show discrimination from the Miami Dolphins. Very high bar, especially in front of Roger Goodell. And then having to go back in front of the federal judge and be like, look, this is absolute crap. Goodell is still a racist and he was still da-da-da. That's going to drag out the case. Whereas you can bring the other employment law issues in the 1983 civil rights issues in front of a federal judge and be like, look, here's my evidence, and it's a very different bar. So I think that the judge nailed it procedurally where it's like this isn't one lump sum case that the the NFL is having discriminatory employment issues. It is you have problems as a – with with your former employer, which is clearly lined out at the NFLPA um, players agreement. And then you have issues in hiring discrimination, which is a very separate issue not covered by the players agreement. 
So you don't get to lump it all together because of you're using the buzzwords of discrimination and race and all that stuff. There are still very specific and succinct legal issues that have to be handled a certain way. So I think the federal judge did a great job on doling out which is ripe for the federal court and what is ripe for arbitration and the processes that you have to go through for each. Now, I, again, I see this case as a case that the NFL would want to settle because do right. you really want this kind of continued press? Debate. This is not positive press. Now, that being said, I, I do want to repeat, I I am worried from the NFL standpoint on this case because the judge already signaled that the judge buys Brian Flores' theory of the case because mm-hmm. the judge, in her opinions, lambasted the NFL and said, look, your hiring practice is atrocious. Look, you're, the NFL is made up of 70% African-American players, but yet less than 10% are actual head coaches. And of course, my response to that is you are using a false dichotomy. You are using just headline grabbing information that really is not relevant because the, the, I looked at the, we, we did this. The top 15 right. NFL coaches, look at them. Brian, uh, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, even Brian Flores, um, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, coach right now, his name escapes my Mike mind, Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. All of these coaches, what do they have in common? They didn't play in the NFL. So why are you trying to equate NFL players with being a head coach? Mm-hmm. I would even make the case that if you were an NFL player, that would hurt your chances of becoming a head coach. Why is that? You get a much later start in the game because you have a long NFL career. Maybe right. take a couple years off to, re- to to refresh your body before you jump into coaching. Meanwhile, if you can't make the NFL, then you are jumping into coaching right out of college. Maybe even halfway through your college career, you realize mm-hmm. you can't play, and so you then become a coach. You get a much earlier start in the coaching game. You get promoted up the ranks. It makes So there's no correlation between playing in the NFL and, and being a good head coach, but they keep running with that that statistic, mm-hmm. which I think is a bogus statistic. It's just one to grab headlines, though it has no correlation. Another thought on this was the NFL recently celebrated, and the media celebrated, the high number of female coaches in the NFL. Now, Chris, mm-hmm. I am not sure there's too many female players in the NFL. Do, do you know of any female players in the NFL? I can make a really bad joke right now, and I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> We're going to avoid that. So We're gonna avoid who that. is it you have any female coaches if there's a correlation between playing time mm-hmm. and being a, a coach? There, there isn't. Uh, you know, uh, coaching is a different than uh, actually playing the sport. In fact, I think there's a negative correlation because the years you spend playing in the NFL, the longer you spend playing, the less years you have to move up the ranks as being a, a coach. And so that's my take on it. But the judge is bought in to Brian Flores' theory. In fact, even lambasted the NFL mm-hmm. in the, the order. That's not a good sign for the NFL. So I don't know how this case is going to be resolved, but we will be following it as it uh, as it continues. So before we move on to the Supreme Court, any thoughts on the Brian Flores v. NFL lawsuit? Lots. But I think at the end of the day, um, the less that we interject what our opinions would be and let the court run its course, I think is the best... I mean, I know we're talking heads, right? The the point of the podcast is for us to discuss these these legal theories. But I think that specifically in the Brian Flores case, it is going to be everyone's going to be angry, right? Either the judge didn't go far enough or the NFL isn't doing enough or this is just 
dumb ideology or this is whatever. And honestly, that's the hallmark of a great decision is that everyone is angry. There you go. Because it shouldn't be one side is, is winning over the other, but rather how are we making better law? How are we enforcing the law in a more equitable way is what let, it should look like. Well, let me get one last thought here on the Brian Flores lawsuit. If you remember Deflategate, Deflategate was where Tom Brady, who we love mm-hmm. to lambast here on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, we, I think both are in agreement that we love the fact yep. that he has retired. Um, mm-hmm. But he's going to be a great retired uh, quarterback. But um, the reason why I'm bringing up the, the Deflategate lawsuit was mm-hmm. Tom Brady won at the district court level. was then overturned by the Second Circuit. So just because whoever might win here, that might not have a final say. It's going to get appealed to the Second Circuit. My point here is I'm not sure that any amount of court time is going to do the NFL any favors here. This is not what they want the headlines to be. And so they're probably, if they could find a way to get rid of this case before, settle it i think they would jump at it just as they did with the colin kaepernick lawsuit let's like let's get this out of the headlines we are a billion dollar industry here right let's just find a way to improve our hiring practices everyone can improve their practices and how they approach it let's improve it fund yeah so right you have enough player development funds out there where you're you know developing all these players from magnet high schools or public programs or private programs like you have nfl schools and combines and all that stuff do the same thing for coaching there you go invest, NFL. invest 20 million of your billions of dollars if you are creating listening, a coach's college if you are listening nfl there you go contact right. this podcast you get a hold of mm-hmm. christopher marone who will give you the perfect solution or resolution right. to your Done. problems for the low low price of what let me $1, run it hundred dollars an hour what, what do you want to bill yeah let me run it let me hire me as the dean of the coaches college for the NFL. There you go. I like this. And we will cover it on the podcast. Well, right. let's move over now to the Supreme Court. And I'm going to give a little bit of a Supreme Court update. They are in yeah. a slight break right now between oral arguments. So they are now doing some decision making, like deciding what cases to take up and, and what cases to decide. And there are a couple of cases that are before the Supreme Court right now that I want to just talk about. One of them is this. It's... um. Great Lakes Insurance versus oh. Raiders Retreat Realty. Now, the, the Supreme Court recently granted review in this case. Now, I, I mentioned this case. This is not a sexy case because of what it's about. But, Chris, to me, this case represents why I hate insurance companies. Can I, can I, would you mind, Chris, if I bring my soapbox out here just a bit and just Get it. stand up on my soapbox and just rail against insurance companies? Please. I hate insurance companies. Can I say that? Yeah. Give, give me some some therapy here. Is, is that okay for me to, to just hate in my heart, in my my heart of hearts, hate insurance Wait. companies? Here's here's my my all time theory because I hate health insurance companies as much as I hate any other insurance companies. It is illegal to practice law without a license. Check. It is illegal to practice medicine without a license. Check. Insurance companies do both unchecked. Oh, I hate that. Oh, I hate that. So you have a situation where your doctor will look at your patient. So you know mm-hmm. what? You need this amount of medication for right. your condition. A doctor makes right. a determination. Right. So you submit it to the insurance company. The insurance company says, yeah, nah, we're not going to cover that. We think that's too much. Yep. Says who? When have you ever right. seen this patient? When have you? Don't even get me started down that road. Bro, that's another yesterday. soapbox. Yesterday, I went to my doctor for my normal three-month checkup. You know, once you get old, ladies and gentlemen, you have to go pretty much every three months. And my doctor has prescribed me a medicine for my blood sugar. 
She's been prescribing me this medicine for roughly five years. The insurance company yesterday goes, mm, are you sure you still need that medicine? We're going to call your doctor again. And my doctor confirmed it again. And they're like, mm, we need you to go get a second opinion. Oh. I've been on this drug for five years. For five years. It's been working for five years. It has normalized my blood sugars. I, I am astounded by the fact that they're like, mm, now you need a second opinion. No, I'm not getting a second opinion. I went to my primary care physician, who, by the way, has to go through checks and balances with your insurance company to be a tier one provider. Yes. And look, you've already vetted her. You already know what's going on. You've already paid for this drug for five years. And the will this other that, doctor look at you for five years? No, they'll look at me for $500, though, because <laughs> I have to pay deductibles and co-pays at the start of every year. Oh, man, it, Chris. The second part of it, their automatic default every year is to say my wife has insurance through someone else. So every year we have to call back up all of her doctors and deal with our insurance company and fill out all the paperwork to say, no, she's only on this insurance. Wow. There you go. I cannot stand it. That's, what, that's one of the main reasons why I am self-insured because I do not like insurance companies. That being said, I uh, this one, this case here represents really my, right. my disdain for why for insurance companies. So what happened here was there was a dispute that began after a yacht that was owned by Raiders Retreat Realty <laughs> ran aground in 2019 and right. it sustained about $300,000 in damage. And so, uh, so you get the idea that this yacht was run aground uh and it's the same three hundred thousand dollars in damage okay now you get insurance why do you get insurance in case this happens when bad things happen right, right. hey you know what we don't want to be run aground we're not going to intentionally run our yacht aground but if right. for some reason a hurricane a tidal whatever happens and right. my yacht gets thrown on the ground and sustains damage then i bought insurance i paid you my premium you took my premium to cover that situation well, the the insurance company decided to deny the coverage. Why did they deny the coverage? Get this. Because the yacht's fire extinguishing equipment had not been recertified and inspected on time. Chris, there was no fire. This had nothing to do with a the fire. There was no fire, no extinguishers, nothing needed. Yet they denied coverage because you forgot to inspect your fire extinguishers. They will pay more money to stop from paying you money than they would paying you out money. I just can't stand that. I cannot stand that case. Why would you deny coverage because my fire extinguisher certificate was outdated. That's, that's not what how this accident was caused. That's Doesn't not matter. the reason for the accident. But you know what? Insurance companies will look for any reason to deny the coverage. That's why that they exist. They, they do not exist oh, yeah. to pay claims. They exist to deny you claims for any reason under the sun. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court did not take up the case for that issue, though it might be a minor uh, sub-issue, they took up the case because they got to decide, does maritime law apply or does state law, of, you know, <laughs> what, what law applies in that kind of a situation? But I'm going to be following that case because I want I, I will take some, some, some satisfaction, some, some glee of heart if the insurance company gets it in the end. I hope they do. I hate insurance companies. All right, while we are on all kinds of self-righteous things, let's talk about another case here. Tyler v. Hennepin County. Are you familiar with this case? Is that the foreclosure case? Yes. I love that. Here's what happened. There was a, 
person who I believe is an older lady uh, owned a yeah. house. It wasn't worth a lot of money, but it was worth something. Uh, mm-hmm. It was worth, I think, about $40,000. And so she would owed back taxes of about $15,000 on this. And so they came in and they foreclosed her on her property and said, guess what? Under, I think it's a Minnesota law, we get to keep the extra 25,000. What? Of course they do. You only have $15,000 in taxes. You're going to take all of her property, even the extra $25,000? We're just going to tack on late fees and processing charges and all the the fun things that the government likes to throw at people. It's absolute crap, by the way. So in this $15,000 in arrears on a $40,000 house, right? What's your property tax? I know. Right? Because what? what, $15,000 of $40,000 is a little over. 38% 38% somewhere in the, the 38 to 42% range, right? How, how high are your property taxes and how many years did you not pay them? Here's an idea government. Why not? Why not just take a lien out, which you know you do anyways on the house right. that is a priority lien to all other liens. So no one can yep. sell it or do anything to it. So at the end of the day, you're going to get your money. Right. Why, why are you going to evict someone and then take the remaining the, the remaining interest in that property that the so the issue before the court is going to be whether or not a foreclosure on a home that was you know um, where they took the extra twenty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars was that an unconstitutional taking for sure uh, in violation of the Fifth Amendment and so we'll Absolutely. be following that case as well. Absolutely, I mean, I, I the argument could be made that they took the house and that was a correct taking under the Fifth Amendment, right? She owed a bunch of money. Let's go. The remainder you do not get to be unlawfully enriched i believe is the technical term right i don't get to enforce my my debt against you joel right i don't get to win at small claims for the five thousand dollars you owe me and then take ten thousand dollars it doesn't work that way this actually is the subject of of 1923 have you seen 1923 it's on paramount plus yeah it's the the um Yellowstone one. Yes, part of the Yellowstone series. I think it started in yeah. 1883. Then 1923 yeah. stars uh, Han Solo in it. And oh, and so one of the, the plot lines right now is some evil person on the show paid the taxes on the Yellowstone property. And so the thought there is since he paid the taxes, now un- unless Han Solo can pay that back within six months right. this other person is going to get deed to your property now i've yeah. been meaning to do some research uh, into was that actually the law of montana back then where someone else could pay your taxes in the middle of the year unless you pay them back within that year you lose your property I, that might have been the law there i don't know we'll do oh. a, a see if, we, if someone can't find that out uh that's <laughs> get a that's silly the, out of it Exactly. That's the plot line to 1923, but apparently the Supreme Court is taking up a very similar case. So maybe the Supreme Court justices are Yellowstone fans. I I am not sure. We'll check it out. All right. It is now time for courtroom quarterback. Doing it. A lot of trades. A lot of trades this week. What do you want to dig into here? You, you want to dig into the trade because your boy Aaron Rodgers My now man. is demanding a trade, and I I find this trade to be fascinating. Uh, and so, what what, what fascinates you? Are you? Um, I know you were Aaron Rodgers hater, and he's going right. to the Jets. Are you happy right. about that? I don't know. Like, yeah, I I don't like Aaron Rodgers, but 
this is very on brand for Aaron Rodgers, right? To make some really crazy, stupid decisions midway through his life. I think this is very much on the Aaron Rodgers, you know, um, yeah, I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers wanted to take Jonathan Love with him, like just to sit him on the bench for two years. Like I it's very on brand for him, but it's like I was listening to him on the Pat McAfee show the other day, and he's like, the Jets are the promised land. Like, I don't and I don't see it. And maybe he sees things and I guarantee that he has a hundred percent access to things that I have no idea about. And maybe the Jets were more willing to acquiesce to all of his like freaky deaky requests. Right, it looks like he's taken as many people from Green Bay to go over to New York as possible. So, and he really likes green. Green seems to be his color. So let's let's do this. You know what? I think your first gut instinct was correct, and that is, what the heck are the Jets right. thinking? You you know, I, I listened to the, the reports as well, and they are saying now the Jets are Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, like Aaron my high school team is a Super Bowl contender. How yeah. many how many Super Bowls has has Aaron Rodgers been to in the last? Eight, 15 years as the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. I want to say two. Maybe two. I'm he's thinking he's won one. one. I'm not sure he made it to a second one. He Maybe he made it to a second one. I want to check the double check on that. But I don't think he's been to any in the last 10 years. He's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He is a, mm-hmm. he is a regular season he's stud, one postseason dud. He's been to one Super Bowl and he's one in four in NFC Conference Championships. One Super Bowl. One Super The one. There you go. And now, all of a sudden, the Jets are Super Bowl contenders. I don't get it, Chris. What am I missing here? Now, well, Tom Brady, around. when he went to the Buccaneers, yes, I get that. Because he was Mr. Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady? I mean, Aaron Rodgers? He's got one. He's got <laughs> well, one. What year was that? I'm thinking 2011. Well, what year was that? It was 2011. I am so good. Right. Pat so himself good. on the back. Give yourself a self high five. That's right. So, well, I don't get why the Jets all of a sudden are going to go win the Super Bowl. By the way, the Jets play in the AFC. Do you know who else plays in the AFC? All the good teams. Kansas City Chiefs, right there. Right. The the current Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Who else is in his division? I believe Buffalo is with Josh Allen. Right. You got Cincinnati rolling through there. Look. Like there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot in the AFC right now. That's why Tom Brady went over to the NFC. You know what? We're, let, let's go on the line here. I'm gonna put the over under on a win in the postseason. Would you take Ooh. the over or the under on Aaron Rodgers getting a win in the postseason? I'm taking the under. I would too. I'm taking the under on that. I don't think they make it to the postseason. Why are the Jets so much better than the Green Bay Packers as an organization? Right. The I don't see Packers it. have an easier route to the Super Bowl. Yes. Right. Do not see it. Easier route. Now easier I, route to the Super Bowl. But that, that being said, you do you. Now, <laughs> that being said, now I want you, Chris, to put on your um your GM hat. I know you you, you, you dressed it. up like a GM today, maybe Al Capone GM, whatever. Um <laughs> and so now the issue holding up this trade is how much compensation right. should the Jets give Green Bay? And so the thought is, should it be two first-round draft picks, three first-round, a first-round? I mean, how much in draft compensation should the Jets give the Packers? Chris, my thought here is when you engage in a, a contract negotiation, mm-hmm. you got to have leverage. What leverage do the Packers have? They're not going to keep them. 
You don't know that. Like the Packers have kept him this long, and they gave him that ridiculous contract last year. Okay, hold on, back up. No, he is on the, the. I think he's on the hook for fifty nine million dollars of cap space. If he is on the Packers right. roster, the Packers have to cut half of their players because they are moving on without him. Right? right. They are not going to keep Aaron Rodgers on their team at fifty nine million dollar cap hit this year. No, man. But I think they would make the Jets work for it. Like but, I think. If you're gonna if you're if you're playing poker and and the other side knows the cards you're holding, right. you can't bluff. Right. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the Jets could the Jets could probably offer one first. They have to make it equitable, right? They can't just like they're not gonna gift them Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. Maybe Green Bay's like just take him. Take him, take him in all his money. Here, we, we, give us three third rounds and a fourth round, and we'll be fine. Here's what I see as being Green Bay's only leverage, and that is this. The Jets want to win the Super Bowl, right? They're delusional, mm-hmm. but whatever. Everybody does. They want to win. They can't win the Super Bowl if the Packers cut Aaron Rodgers on the, the last day. Right, because because right. he's not going to be there in, in training camp. Though I don't know why he they think he'd go to training right. camp, but whatever. Uh, let's assume that he right. would go to training camp with his new team. He's going to be right. reading the playbook. They're going to have some certainty. If if the Packers cut Aaron Rodgers on the last day, which is in mm-hmm. September, they really don't have time to get their team together, and so right. that's their only leverage. Is that hey, look, the Jets. If you want our guy, you're going to get him but you're going to get him at the last minute. And how much is it worth to you to get him now as compared to at the last minute when you're not really going? So we know they're not going to keep him, but they could hurt the Jets in their preparation for this next year. In my mind, that's the only value here of this trade. I think that's a great value, though. Would you give up two first-round draft picks for getting him early? Well, and look at what else they're picking up. Right. If if Aaron Rodgers, who's acting as the GM right now for the Jets organization, look at the list of people that he wants. Look at the numbers like you know, they want Odell Beckham. They want these guys from the 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 Packers and a couple others from from around the league. If they're really gonna fill his wish list, like they're gonna they're gonna give what they can to get right. so they're gonna start making their team now and they need right. some certainty. So yeah, right. I, I could see that as being the leverage. Also, how long is Aaron Rodgers gonna play? For the Jets. Are we talking he's like, a one-year deal, a two-year two deal? Uh, it's got to be at least a two- to three-year deal. This isn't Baker Mayfield we're talking about. Like, this is, this is Aaron Rodgers, right? If he's going to drastically remake the face of the New York Jets, he's got to invest at least two years, maybe three, maybe even four. All right. But so does, that... does Aaron Rodgers have four years left in him, right? How many more times is he going to go to the outer darkness retreat? I know. <laughs> Apparently, he was going to retire this year. I mean, I, who knows what he's going to be? I, I would right. think, though, if I were the Jets, I would want some kind of commitment that he is going to be there for for three years. But if I'm yeah. going to give up two first round draft picks for him, mm-hmm. we better at least have a three year run here with him as our as our quarterback. Uh, other than that, I probably wouldn't give much more than maybe one first round pick. Uh, yeah. I would even be hesitant to do that because I don't think he's going to win him a single. As you and I already discussed, we don't think. A rational mind would see this as even getting one postseason win out of this. You're not winning a Super Bowl. So I don't even understand what the Jets are doing. But hey, New York, they are delusional. He is Aaron Rodgers. And so they will have a certain level of excitement. I'm sure they're going to sell tickets and things like that. So, yeah, more power to them. To quote a very famous person, uh, Chris Marone, you be you, Jets. Go ahead. You be you. (laughs) 
You be you guys. All right, let's you move on. Let's move on now to Zeke Elliott, a former Ooh. running back for the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, he nice was released this last former. week. And Chris, I know we have a lot of different takes on this release. And here's my take on this. The Dallas Cowboys, uh, Ezekiel Elliott was one of the greatest running backs out of Ohio State. Should have won a title for Ohio State, but they benched him. But that was Urban Meyer was the coach when they, when they did that. Uh, but he's been a great running back. Chris, I see a real problem because when 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 teams draft running backs, they draft them under rookie contracts, which really don't pay that much because right. they have these whole. But for most players, that's okay because you have a long career ahead of you. You prove right. yourself under this rookie contract, and you will get paid at the end of the day. So that's okay. Hey, yeah. quarterback, at you Jalen Hurts. Exactly. Or even offensive linemen. I mean, they'll play until their mid-30s. So if you do well, there will be a payday. Mm -hmm. I don't see the same thing for running backs because here's what teams are learning. If you run your running back rough shot early on, well, number one, that running back is good for it. They're young, like Ezekiel Elliott, who has an amazing mm -hmm. running back the first three or four years. But they have such a very, very short shelf life. And so there's mm -hmm. almost an incentive for teams to just abuse their running backs early in their careers, not sign them for their extensions when they really, really will make good money because they're just going to be discarded and they will then draft another running back. I see a real danger here for being a running back in the NFL. It's kind of like a rental car. If you rented a car and you only had it for, let's just say, a week, oh yeah, you might drive the heck out of that rental car. You might you abuse do. it. You might gun it. Now, I'm not going to gun my car. Why? Well, it's a minivan. You can't gun a minivan. But even <laughs> if I, it was a sports car, you're not going to do that. You don't want to burn your engine out. I think teams are viewing these running backs as rental running backs. They're just going to, yeah. under a rookie contract, pay for them for a couple of years and then discard them and then draft a new running back to then use and abuse. I any thoughts? Right. No, that's exactly how it is. I mean, long gone are the periods of, like, Barry Sanders and – um Emmett Smith and you know Ronnie Lott and all the guys that that ran the ball constantly. Um, because with Roger Craig there instead of Ronnie Lott. Sorry, Roger Craig. I apologize. My <laughs> You're the Niner friend. heritage in me is about to. The <laughs> Niner ancestors are about to surround me and beat the crap out of me for that one. Um, those periods are gone because the running back isn't a, a career move anymore. And you're also seeing that on like the the high school and college levels. Right, you're not seeing long, long careers with running backs because they realize that they're just getting the crap beat out of them. Look at the Niners last year, right? We were riddled with injuries, but not just our quarterback injuries though. Debo had an injury, yeah. Right, we like running it up the middle is what got us all the like. It's just not. It's just not there. It's not there. And Chris, so, if it's just me, I don't see this in any other position than running back. I think running backs are unique in how they can be used and abused in the first few years of their career. Mm -hmm. And then they basically become worthless. Why would you sign a running back? I mean, Joe, Jerry Jones was an idiot for doing this, but I, maybe he just had compassion. Why right. would you sign your running back to a long-term extension with guaranteed money for years five through eight when you know you just got the best years one through one four? Through You're not going to yeah. get those in five through eight. It's not how running backs work. Mm -hmm. The only exception to that might be that running back who knows how to not get hit. You mentioned right. a Barry Sanders. I'm thinking also right. of a um, uh, 
a Walter Payton or a, yes. a Marcus Allen. These guys knew right. how to avoid the direct hit. So if you had that kind of running back who could have a long life as a running back, maybe so then. But still, yeah. as the Kansas City Chiefs have proven, just go draft another running back. I mean, they're going to be as good for you, and they can be abused in the next couple of years. So I see this as being a real dangerous situation. I would not advise any of anyone related to me to ever be a running back. Pick a right. different position in the NFL, and you're going to be protected. Yeah, go be a tight end. Oh, man, that's what the big money is. Right. Go Shout be a Kelsey to- brother. Travis Kelsey, exactly. All right, Chris, <laughs> hey, one last thing here before we go. Uh, again, if, if you like our podcast, I do highly <laughs> recommend give us a five-star review and share it with your friends on social media. That's how people can get the word out. If you don't like our podcast, well, then why are you listening here to the 60-minute mark? But, hey, thank you right. so much for staying around that long. Have a great week, and Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Any final words, Chris? Rock Chalk Jayhawk, man. There you go. See you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.